Welcome to the podcast series Talking Success, connecting the global fintech community. I'm Stacey Jafter, and today I'll be chatting with Kim Mac Simon Jones, Director of Market Strategy at Myriad Connect. Myriad Connect is a mobile technology specialist, empowering enterprises to quickly and easily develop and deliver reliable, secure, and cost effective new mobile services. Kim, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Stacey. Very well, thanks. Uh, a little anxious to be on a podcast talking success, but otherwise very well. How are you? Good, good, good. My team talks so positively about you, so I think it's going to be a good one. How's your last week, month been? Yeah, it has been pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, for us, last year was crazy. I mean, working with mobile network operators um, and obviously addressing all the challenges um, that it came with COVID was crazy, but this year it just seems to have gone up a lot. So yeah, all exciting stuff, but really busy at the moment. So it's all good. <laughs> busy is good. Kim, let's jump right in. Talk to me about your career journey, how you became director of market strategy. I don't think my career is particularly exciting necessarily, but um I will say that I have found myself in a place that I suppose I didn't expect I would be. Like if I had to think back to myself in varsity in high school, I you would never have convinced me that I'd be working in B and technology. Um, But now that I am, I absolutely love it. Um, I started out uh, at in Cape Town in working in the largest law firm in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned so much in a really short space of time. And I felt like I got a really good taste of, you know, working for corporate. So I moved to Edinburgh, uh, which was supposed to be for a quick year or two adventure. Uh, and as I'm sure you can tell by my lack of strong South African accent, I have been in the UK ever since. Um, but I started working for a health and science startup and it is where I got my taste and learned of my love for working in startups. Um, I think particularly for people starting out in their early career, it presents a really exciting opportunity because you get to get involved in defining business strategy. I got to lead a rebrand. And, you know, if you're willing to take initiatives and prove yourself, there obviously are a lot of opportunities uh, available to you in as startups. Um, And I think also you kind of get to be a bit entrepreneurial within the safety and confines of someone else's business because there's no one showing you what to do or how to do it. So you get to fail fast and try new things. So um, it really was a fantastic experience. so I moved on to another startup, uh, a enterprise app development company. Um, and this is where I discovered my passion for technology, um, in particular mobile technology. Um, I was charged with repositioning the brand for the enterprise market. Um, and it was working in mobile tech that it was really evident uh, particularly in the fintech space, that the adoption of mobile and the way it was being used um, was really very well advanced in Africa. Yeah. And I think the way that uh, companies and startups were or are using technology is just ingenious. Like I would see a certain tech that's being used uh, in Europe 
and it would be used in a completely different way to address different problems or provide different value yeah. um, in markets in Africa. So um, I wanted to be part of that disruption that was happening uh, in Africa and obviously being South African to be able to work in South Africa um, and other key markets in Africa has been really rewarding. Um, and that started for me when I joined Myriad, uh, a own company headquartered in Paris, but we do 70% of our business in various markets in Africa. And uh, yeah, that's where I lead a business development strategy and go-to-market strategy for our platform as a service proposition. And yeah, been here for just over four years and loving it. That's awesome. You <laughs> just mentioned helping a business reposition their product or service. How does a business know it's time to find a new direction and where do they start? Stacey, I think perhaps just before I answer your question, um, you know, my most of my experience, and particularly working in technology, has been on the B2B side. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, supporting businesses, who are building and selling technology for other businesses as opposed to, you know, technology for consumers. So what I will respond to you more than likely is more for kind of B2B businesses. Okay. Um, but in terms of when to, I mean, there's like a whole variety of reasons why a brand uh, would be or company would be looking to for a new direction or, um you know, to reposition themselves. And mostly it is that you're looking to redefine or realize a new competitive advantage um, Mm. in a market. And it could be, you know, because you are operating in a market that's become really saturated and, you know, all you and your competitors are all the same. So, um, you know, for example, I spoke about the enterprise app developer that I worked for. There were a lot of app developers in the market um, they were all developing all these cool consumer apps that we use. But there also was a real demand for industry and for enterprises who had big field workforces to use mobile to, you know, for their workers to introduce efficiencies or improve safety or reduce costs, whatever. So, um, you know, in that business, we started positioning ourselves in the enterprise market. And it was I mean, it was necessary to do, um, but it also started to shape a whole new direction for the actual business because um, an enterprise consultancy was developed out of it and, you know, it took on a life of its own. Um, But sometimes it may also be, you know, just as you're trying to grow your business and the target segment that you're in, you know, you've addressed it as much as you can and you're therefore looking for new customers or maybe your business is decreasing or declining for some reason, you know, the technology, maybe your, your tech isn't being used as much. So, yeah, there's a, a lot of reasons to look at, at a new direction or um, repositioning your brand. There are two polar opposite strategies that come to mind. One is where you're, you hone in, you go niche, you become an expert in the market and are seen as the go-to person for that segment. Or, as you mentioned, you expand on your target audience, broaden your customers. In either situation, how do you define that target audience? When it comes to defining a target audience, I think there are a lot of different things. And we could talk for days, really, and go through kind of marketing 101 or go to market 101. So um, there is a lot 
that you need to consider. But I think that actually really taking time to think about your target audience is really important because it's one that's obvious and that we should all be addressing. But we far too often see companies that are not really looking um, or focusing on properly defining who their target audience is and how their particular product or service delivers value for that target segment or that that target audience. Um, and I think that in the media and technology, and this is maybe more kind of old school tech, but there is a kind of tendency for perhaps this, you know, your product is driven by technical people or product people that you are focused on the features or how incredibly cool or complex your technology is, um, as opposed to focusing on what are the benefits of using your technology? What value do you deliver to your customers? Um, and in the B2B context, particularly, you know, more than likely, your tech is now being sold outside of IT or, or technical teams. So it's your marketing teams or other yeah. commercial lines of business. So you have to be able to communicate that value. Um, and so it, it is important to have some customer focus. In fairness, though, I do think that the whole industry uh, has for several years now, and it certainly continues to improve, has been a lot more focused on developing products for um, particular target audiences. You know, mm-hmm. we see the rise of design thinking and UX specialists that are, you know, part of the technical team developing products and services. So, you know, I am um, to like our UX team, particularly a few years ago when they started doing things like uh, focus groups and using surveys or making sure that they're putting their technology in the hands of the end user to see, you know, yeah. um, how the user experience measures up. And, you know, coming from a marketing discipline, I mean, that's our bread and butter, making sure that your product or service offering or the way you're positioning your brand is resonating with your customers. So we definitely are moving in the right direction. Um, the only thing that I would is I think particularly across Africa that there is a lot of room for growth in the UX specialism. Um, I mean, remember speaking to one of Maria's banking customers, um, someone who headed up a big digital team, and they were saying they didn't even have one person dedicated to UX, and um, they wow. were speaking to a Spanish bank who had 60 people, like a 60-strong wow. team of UX uh, specialists. So, um, do you think there's there's some room for growth? Um, and I do think that, in fairness, the startups and a lot of the fintechs that we see across the continent are um, doing a great job with UX, but, but some growth is needed. But generally speaking, we are getting better at focusing on our audience, developing products and service offerings, and kind of evolving our brands to meet specific audiences. But, um, yeah, really important if you're going to achieve success. There's been a buzz around Facebook disallowing targeted ads. You no longer can create the ideal persona and push advertising their way. Has this impacted your business or do you have an opinion on the change that's been made? I mean, for us, I mean, certainly because we are more focused on the B2B side of things, although Facebook advertising, even for B2B, because of previously what Facebook was able to do in terms yeah. of, of targeting, um, was actually amazing what you, what you could do, you know, targeting people who had visited certain sites or showed interest on certain, you know, technology sites or whatever. Um, I mean, 
I am a big advocate for user privacy and mm. um, so certainly for me, I think it's, you know, anything where there are changes being introduced where, you know, you're not, you're any particular company is collecting a whole lot of private information about individuals. Um, you know, I, I think that's a good thing, but there, there is a balance to be struck because, you know, as a consumer myself, I do want relevant ads to be served to me. Yes, I relate. I would much rather sit through an ad about a product or service I'm genuinely interested in, want to learn more about, or if there's a sale going on, like, I want to know that. At Talent in the Cloud, we're always looking at additional products and services our clients would benefit from. The next step can be challenging. How do you then build a go-to-market strategy? So, um, yes. So much, so much to say there, um, Stacey. But I think that, you know, um, and I mean, yeah, I don't want to go back into to basics of where you are looking at going at a new direction and, and mm. what to do and how to build your, your strategy because um, I think there's much value in sharing what people should hopefully know. Um, but maybe I can share kind of a few key learnings. Um, Please. And the first being, you know, when you're looking at a new direction or new products and services, you are obviously, you know, considering innovation and particularly for any technology company, it's, you know, it's, it's got to be one of your, your biggest challenges. And, um, going back to talking about your target audience, you need to make sure that wherever you are innovating, that you are building products that address a particular gap or a pain point or a need somewhere because if you are, and maybe it doesn't apply so much to talents in the cloud, but, you know, where you are leaving innovation exclusively to product teams or te- technical teams, you know, they may develop something that is some incredible type of technology, but that may not be addressing um, the needs of the market or of, of your customers. So, um it is super important to involve commercial people in your innovation uh, initiatives. They need to be part of, um, you know, driving innovation forward and finding new directions for for businesses because, um, you know, you need to be developing. And, and, you know, part of all of that is it's really important to be, you know, if you're in the privileged position, and this is obviously not so much thought of, but having existing customers is, um, you know, there's all kinds of benefits, obviously, of listening to customers and being able to service them better, but your real opportunities are going to come from understanding challenges that are facing your customers and will give you the opportunity to find new things and think of new things or for your customers to ask if you can help in, in new ways. And, um, you know, that is really then demand-led. And what I will say is that African fintechs really have got this nailed. I have been blown away. I mean, if you consider some of the, like, absolute powerhouses in Africa, like your Yoko's, Interspecialist, yeah. Sedulant, uh, Wave, they have really responded to their customers. And I think it probably came from a place of them establishing themselves as experts and trusted partners to their customers that Mm. they then get really close to the market and understand where there are gaps. Because if you look at their product and service offering, it's so diversified and addressing kind of varied needs. So, um, yeah, there's, there's real opportunity in 
when you are looking at new directions, kind of finding this balance between having the technical know-how and figuring out, you know, really clever ways to, you know, build products or services, but then also the commercial side to make sure that you're tailoring it to, you know, market need. Yeah. What would you say for businesses in the stage of just developing the technology they haven't even thought about their go-to-market strategy? Where should they start? I think that, again, maybe just kind of sharing some key learnings may may be helpful. I think that, um, you know, there is a um, thinking or perhaps a need to think that you've got to go into like a particular market and just mm. do a whole lot of marketing. And like, I know I worked with a consultant who was brought in by an investor in a, a previous business that I worked for. And he said, everyone embraces marketing with an open mouth. Um, as in everyone thinks they know how to do it. And you know, <laughs> they will tell you social media, PR, digital, this, one, yeah. one, have every idea. But sometimes you know, firstly, you're going to have budget constraints. So you need to, especially if you're just starting out, you need to be really careful about being really targeted and carefully testing where you spend budget. And that's where, you know, obviously um, digital channels are so useful because you can really control that and measure your success. Um, but also that you need to consider that if you go into the market and you make a really big noise in the early stages, that you may get, you know, just inundate your small sales team that's just learning how to do things. You inundate mm-hmm. them with all these types of, you know, different leads that they then are having to qualify, as opposed to allowing them to start out with a few big, promising, really targeted, qualified leads that you or prospects that you go and find in the market. And obviously there's various ways to do that. Um, um, which then allows you and your business to learn about, you know, how to evolve your your pitch, how to, you know, um to that customer, how to really realize where you deliver something special and of value. Um, yeah, it's, and that that is so important because, you know, working with Myriad, we have the privilege of kind of being part of enabling um, a digital mm. ecosystem. So we've worked with a lot of startups and particularly in the fintech space. And one thing that it just makes my heart so sore is so many make the mistake of never wanting to say no to mm. customers, like if they have new prospects, because often if they yeah. you know, come into the scene and they're doing something really exciting, um, you know, they may, there would be a lot of interest. And if they, obviously they want to take advantage because they don't want to lose that customer to somebody else. And what they end up doing is spreading themselves and their teams too thin. Um, and instead of selecting, um, you know, a few key customers to get started with and do really, really well, uh, they just try and bit of, be a bit of everything to everyone. And, you know, not only does it often end up with a lot of unhappy customers, but it can, instead of even like building success, it can kill your business. I think that a key part of GoTap, but particularly for new companies, is how are you prioritizing the customers that you do have? Very important. You're always looking at new business, new customers, but how do you retain them? That's really important. For sure. But but even on the new the the new customer front, I mean, you know, the like most people would be like try and get as many leads as possible because, you know, if you, you get a million leads, you're gonna convert some of them. But actually, yeah. you know, if you were looking at the opportunities if you have a lot of customers interested in your business, you need to, you know, be considering 
who's going to be the biggest have the biggest revenue potential or perhaps yeah. if they're a high profile customer, is it better to prioritize them first or are there is there a customer that's going to be really quick to market so you can spend less time and you're going to have them live? Um, you know, there's various perhaps another customer may be better from a like lifetime value perspective, maybe not revenue today. And you need to balance what's going to be best for your business and decide who you, you know, will address first and not be scared to to turn some customers away. I know it sounds crazy, but those are difficult decisions. We've been focusing heavily on our marketing strategy over the last year and have seen great return. The only way we're able to know this is by new clients telling us they heard about us through an article we wrote or a podcast they listened to. What we're finding is that without our clients telling us, it's really hard to measure the ROI on our marketing efforts. Is there anything you do as a business to measure this? I mean, it really is. I mean, when you're putting out a lot of digital content, you obviously are able to see, you know, how popular it is, how many clicks it's Mm. getting. Um, but even though you have those metrics at your fingertips, it is still really hard sometimes to actually quantify what of that activity ended up in kind of driving success. And a lot of it is just anecdotal. Like, as you say, when you're speaking to your customers and they say that I first heard about you because of some piece of content. Um, I mean, definitely working in the B2B space, I mean, there's no marketer that isn't going to be pursuing or if they don't say diversity, um, but a content strategy of some sort. But the mm. thing that you obviously did incredibly well in talented in, in the cloud is found uh, content that was resonating with the audience because, of course, because content strategies are successful, there's so much rubbish content out there that it just you don't have the same cut through. So it's really tricky to find topics and things that are of real interest. So, yeah, I mean, I think even the fact that you're getting um, you know, the feedback from your customers just shows that you you obviously were pushing out content that was relevant and it was reaching your target audience. So, yeah, <laughs> amazing. Question <laughs> I have for you: Are there any specific roles or skills you believe need to be in place to achieve a successful go-to-market strategy? I think it's kind of been a bit of a theme throughout some of the responses that I've given you, Stacey. But I think that really the most important thing, and again, it's something which it's really obvious, but very few companies do really well. And that is making sure that you have a very good mix of skills and expertise from across your business. And particularly, you know, if you are a technical team, you will know that there's nothing more frustrating than your salesperson going out and selling the dream to a customer. And then when it comes to your ops team and your tech team that are having to deliver against that, that you are then letting <laughs> the customer down because there's all kinds of crazy things that have been agreed. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's obviously benefits on that side, but even sometimes in the technical decisions that are being made, like something may make sense from a technology point of view, but you also need to be thinking about it from the broader commercial point of view, um, you know, how you can productize something that you're doing, if it needs to be part of a platform, is there, do we need to be thinking about a different business model or different way to price something based on what you're doing? So it's just really, really important that, you know, if you're small and you either have a very technology heavy kind of management team or, you know, founders running the company that you find someone who's really talented on the commercial side to help you make decisions. Um, and 
you know, equally that if you, you know, have more people from a business background, that you are making sure that, you know, someone with technical know-how mm. is helping shape your business and your go-to-market strategy. It needs to, it needs to be a balance. Um, and for big businesses where there may be experts from, you know, all different lines of business, they often work in silos. So it's really finding a way to effectively make sure that you are um, working together and defining that go-to-market strategy and like the future of your business together. Love it. Kim, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I had such a good time. Stacey, it was wonderful to speak to you and it went much better than I was expecting. So yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> that makes me happy. Where's the best place for listeners to reach you? On LinkedIn. Awesome. Thanks again, Kim. Fantastic. Thanks, Stacey. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Talking Success, Connecting the Global Fintech Community. Feel free to follow us on LinkedIn at Talent in the Cloud. And if you're interested in exec talent, expanding your team, or you yourself are looking for a new, exciting change in your career, check out our website, talentinthecloud.io.